Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with season 10, episode 7 of our hopefully now weekly Q&A video slash podcast. If you're on YouTube, uh, links in the description to access this on some major podcasting platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before we get to questions, I just want to point out. So it's been from November to now is what? Nine months. Yeah. Just over nine months. And for all the different characters that we've gone back into the challenge to play, yeah, to make them the star, and I guess for most characters, being the star means doing the most damage. Because there's a few, I think maybe a handful, mm-hmm. that they don't need to do the most damage, where you get the most out of them. And I'm thinking of Red Lantern Al Jordan specifically, where he is probably one of the best secondary characters if you need somebody to strip all the gears off the opponent, right? Mm. Whether it's Makes a sense. low damage guy or a Nastro Harness guy. So they're high utility, even right. if they're low damage. Right. But Martian Manhunter is the absolute worst. That there is just no redeeming value after playing with him. It, I think that's the only character where my opinion dropped mm-hmm. after playing with him. So you know, other characters I might have a neutral opinion. I might not, you know, not think of them very favorably. But there's. Yeah usually something that comes out of it that makes you think, oh, that's interesting. I did not realize that. I thought that's good. Not at all with Martian Inventor. What was worse was, all right, so I already knew his damage, his attack stat was low. His Mm -hmm. health was high. Uh, I already knew that his passive was pretty awful, that even the damage over time stuff um, did less damage than if he just finished his combo enter. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that the timing on his special two was so bad that even though the animation for the third move looks like, or the third part of his special two looks like it should hit, even if the second part knocks out an opponent, the third part should hit the next opponent because there's such a long pause and such a long windup, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, because it's not ranged, the first two hits are ranged, the third one is not, there's a strong possibility that when you give him damage over time gear, it won't trigger because the third hit doesn't make contact. Yeah, That is so bad stinks it it really does so i i can't i i feel like it's yeah it was <laughs> it, it'll be relevant later when we talk about if we get around to that question about tears but in my mind there's sort of now there used to be just secret um s tiers where people underappreciated really good characters right yeah so under the radar especially in like certain contexts right, right. maybe not by themselves right. but like in some context they really shined right so in my mind it feels like martian mandunter is like a, an extra lower tier like he's extra bad he's like an f tier or like sub f and like it, unusable right and, but, and that's not entirely fair because the real unusable like there's only one answer for the real unusable character yeah and that's uh suicide squad joker unhinged mm-hmm. i don't think there's anybody worse than that i don't care how high you make his stats the fact that when he knocks somebody out he t- tops the stats of somebody worse yeah makes him really bad mm-hmm but um it's like wasting time yeah it's just it, it's funny that it's taken this long i guess it, it was partly coincidence of the time that we picked to start our challenge yeah. sort of exploration yeah so we're, we're ending on kind of a low note relatively well, speaking yeah so it's towards the tail end that it took us this long to find something that was not good but mm-hmm. i think i've been playing around with godfall superman already and there's definitely some interesting things that I like about him more than I thought I would and mm-hmm. not in a way that I expected. And I think Regime Hawker at least has the potential. She's going to be the sort of last one before we fill in the gaps. 
and nobody's responded. Nobody's told us how they want us to fill in the gaps, whether they want us to wait for the characters to roll around again, mm-hmm. or whether they want us to just get on with it. But um, Regime Hot Girl has that special two that auto crits if you hit 200%. And from what I remember, the circle disappears really fast for the that particular mini game. Yeah. But because you can usually guess it, as long as you're prepared and you start tapping right away, it's not too hard to get 200% and get the bonus from her passive. So I like that um, we're going to still end on, like the characters are coming up. Mm-hmm. It's just, if they are worse than I expect, I think uh, it'll be as much of a surprise as Marsh Manter. Because Marsh Manter, after how many we- how many months, mm-hmm. well, that was a surprise. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think we can maybe spend a minute talking about it, just because uh, we just finished season three of Ted Lasso. Oh my god, uh, Ted Lasso. Season. Very good. Solid. I think it was a show that remained relatively consistent throughout. I felt like it was the right time to end it. Um, it's hard because it's been so long since I've watched the previous seasons, but I felt like the third season was about as good as the other, the previous seasons. Uh, maybe like not quite as good, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's, you know, you kind of know what to expect. It's like more of the same, right? Mm-hmm. Where getting the same thing for three seasons in a row or not the right. same, but like similar, right? Has yeah. to sort of naturally go a little bit stale over time. Uh, but I don't think it like hit mediocre right i think it stayed as like really strong all throughout and it probably was like a similar sort of overall quality even if my enjoyment of it maybe lessened a little bit uh so i think what that means is that it was they ended at the right time they ended strong uh and it was a solid show yeah so i i should have prepared because as soon as you said that it made me think of some of the history of tv shows what's interesting is what popped in my head when we're talking about that is that there. Modern TV shows are much more likely to have long story arcs. Yeah. Where the previous episodes matter. Yeah, instead of like that more episodic stuff. Well, yeah. So there's not a lot of investment. So if there is kind of any, I guess, change in the character, it's not that they change fundamentally in any way. There's nothing sort of life-changing about what happens to them. But it stuff happens and it's most of the time if something significant happens, it resets before the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And then it just gives them a little bit more depth and richness that you're aware of yeah. if you've seen the episode, but not like anything that you need to know. You know, like the, the classic to me is um, CSI. Yeah. Like those procedural police shows where, or Law and Order, where none of the previous episodes plot matters mm-hmm. at all. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. A show that did a pretty good job of sort of balancing factors was um, Poker Face recently. Uh, Ryan Johnson. It's that uh, Natasha Lyonne mystery one where they've uh, made it very episodic. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's little things that carry over uh, from episode to episode where you don't need to know them. You could get like a one sentence summary and be fine. Uh, And but you have a little bit more appreciation for sort of the context. So she'll like, you know, have different knowledge or comport herself slightly differently but you know you you don't notice it unless you've right. already watched it right? right you it's kind of like how uh better call saul and breaking bad how you never watched breaking bad but you right. still liked right. better call saul right. a lot right. where there's little things that you know uh if you've watched breaking bad but you don't miss it uh you don't know you're missing something right unless you have the knowledge to actually not be missing anything right yeah yeah so i guess and the other point i was going to make about the history of it is that 
we almost take it for granted actually now that the default for a lot of shows yeah. is that there's a longer story arc that there is you can enjoy each episode but then there's a bigger picture yeah. that comes into it that just makes it so much more enjoyable like little layers that end up getting peeled back and i think what's neat about ted lasso is it, it gets the benefit of that and i think you probably could have made one of those episodic shows where not much changes and not much happens out of Ted Lasso. You mean? I, I think so only because there's just so much going on. Like there's so many other, so many characters, right? Yeah. And there's the potential for that kind of story, but you would lose out on so much of what makes Ted Lasso really good. Yeah. It's the, especially I, I, I was thinking when I was watching Ted Lasso that there's stuff in it in the last season, like um, Sherlock, I think it was, was it the third season where a lot of the characters, they have the story arcs where it not only just pays off near the end, but it's almost like it's a tribute. Yeah. Mm, not, that's not the right word. Where you've, they've earned mm-hmm. a, a closeness. Yeah. And... That they take advantage of that in a way, but not like badly, but they take advantage of They use that. They leverage it. They leverage it to make a better story because of it. Mm -hmm. It's because you know them that it makes those stories more meaningful. Yeah. So in the example of Sherlock was that episode where, um, that's not a huge spoiler, right? Watson gets married. Yeah. And there's these little moments I think, oh my God. And I feel like they wouldn't have hit nearly as hard. If it weren't for the history, I mean, they're still good. Yeah. But they, you see those threads. You care more for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the problem that you always run into with stuff like that is you, there's like a payoff of getting to know a character and having a character established. And then there's the fine line between paying off that character, uh, like paying off like the pre-established sort of tropes and expectations for that character, mm-hmm. especially sometimes like sub like um character right right starts off very sort of grisly and prickly and like not in touch with emotions at all. And he still is prickly. He still, he still is prickly. And I I think that's a uh, Ted Lasso is an example of it by and large working right where you can have things that are a little unexpected for him. Uh, but still work with the character because as you understand right. him more richly, he can be a less two-dimensional character. You can have moments that, you know, are a little bit more vulnerable or even yeah. seem a little bit more vulnerable or seem out of character yeah. and you can yeah. contextualize those. And then there's like less successful examples, I think, where that sort of characterization becomes increasingly one note. It's the whole idea of flanderization. Ned, um, Ned Flanders from Simpsons? Yeah, that's where it comes from, where his his character started more nuanced and rich and became compressed into the things he was best known for oh, over the course of seasons. Like Kramer. See, I Seinfeld. Haven't. He became the buffoon that did his little shtick when he just, you know, slides in the room and he does that little sort of twitching stuff and yeah. whatever. Uh, and like for me, which is an, un- it's an unfortunate one, but I think that kind of happened a little bit for me with Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where eventually mm. uh, he, his whole kind of, shtick and characterization went so deep into this like deeply like out of touch guy uh with like anything where he was like really sort of like snooty and like almost i would say like out of touch Mm -hmm. and it became this really sort of not like incoherent exactly but not internally consistent characterization Mm -hmm. compared to where he was earlier in the season and so i think what's good about ted lasso is it doesn't fall into that trap it Mm -hmm. manages to keep people 
sort of complex. Yeah. It keeps its rich characterization of people, I think, pretty well through to the end. And people either get more complex and nuanced or uh, stay the same. I think a lot of that might have to do with how good you are at planning ahead of time. Because the, the longer your show runs, the more you maybe paint yourself into corners. The fact that Ted Lasso was only three seasons gives you a better chance so that the stuff you picked for them at the beginning mm-hmm. still offers you enough so you can work with it, right? Because if you start off in a way and you realize, oh, that's not the direction I wanted to go, mm-hmm. then you almost have to do something to make them a bit yeah. more interesting and relevant still. That's fair. I think maybe the only character that I have a little bit of that feeling with his coach beard, potentially, where he just got felt like he got weirder and weirder, but I, I'm a lot more willing to sort of accept that as just uh, being more sort of comfortable in the space that he was in. I, I, can I tell you, I, I really strongly disagree with that because I don't, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched it because it is a wonderful show. Yeah. If you're going to get a chance to watch it, watch oh, it. Oh, but you, you think that there's that emotional moment that you understand him better? Yes. There's, that, there's a, a moment where he's not just the weird guy. Yeah. You see why he's so conflicted and why he's so a little bit wild and that it's a manifestation of what he was before and how he's able to control it in a way so that he can still be Ted's friend. Yeah, I mean, I like that moment in the show. I just think that that, you know, it's not necessarily a payoff for the rest of it. And he is just kind of like almost a little too weird, like he keeps getting ratcheted up. And it's not even like that too weird is like a problem. It's more just that they it felt like they kept upping the ante by making him weirder, you know? Hmm. Whereas if he like started somewhere, I would be more okay with him staying there. But yeah, it I feels wonder, like a sort of character shift almost. It it's to me it's interesting because I'm maybe it's the the kind of characters that I find interesting because there's almost a self destructiveness to Coach Beard in some of the stuff that he does for sure. And I feel like we get some insight into that. Yeah. In the third episode, in a way that's third season. Sorry, third season. That's really surprising but in a way that's consistent with how he's been and why i feel like if anything it's sort of it's it's the reverse kind of thing where the it's not really so much a payoff because if if you've done it the other way around yeah it's a reveal as opposed to payoff and the other characters more get like payoffs yeah and he gets that kind of reveal and i thought that was actually kind of a neat contrast to what was happening yeah no i i think i i agree with you that i like that moment a lot and i think overall it's a good show i think it's telling that we have not that many sort of nitpicks about it and the the sort of issues that we do have we don't agree on necessarily so it's it's it, well, it tells me that it's they did a lot of stuff right because yeah. you know you can't make everybody happy, and if there's something that made both of us unhappy, yeah, then it would feel like more of a misstep. Mm-hmm. It's a larger sample size, at least. And I, for what it's worth, yeah. I've heard that Jason Sudeikis was really sort of careful and took like a long time, like maybe too long, like writing, rewriting, uh, mm. and plotting all of the third season stuff out, and that's one of the reasons why the show was like delayed a couple times. But I think it was worth it. Yeah. Something you can only be late once. But you can be awful forever. That's true. Once it's out, it's out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, moving on to the first question of the week or first comment. This one comes from K31Wiz. Uh, so Mark. And I'm going to skip around a little bit here and just read bits and pieces because it's quite a long comment. The part, important part I think you want to not miss is that UPD that we couldn't figure out what it was was an abbreviation for updated. Yeah, which uh, Mark thought was a commonly used thing, which I don't know if we're not 
sort of as plugged into culture or if yeah, it's a I different think... space or I don't know who's wrong. I know I know I'm definitely not plugged in. Like to me, yeah. I I don't know if people get a sense of this or not. I don't play a lot of games. Yeah. I I'm I do very little yeah. gaming at all, whether it's mobile or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I'm actually I have any expertise in any game is sort of yeah. funny and unusual. But Mark said, on the topic of my channel, you probably won't understand much as I'm not a native English speaker and I'm not sure if default subtitles are good enough. And I realize this going to Mark's channel and finding it all uh, not in English. I believe it's in Russian. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I get this. <laughs> so is it, is it, do you recognize the Russian sounds or is it because the symbols were Cyrillic? It's, I think it was in Cyrillic and it was the uh, mix of Mark's name and the, mm. the accent. And like, I, I, it's just my guess right might be wrong um but then mark says i've reached out to the guys at the igau uh podcast and we did an episode with them which was a cool experience i talked some things there and explained my view on the game and so that's interesting i didn't even know there was an injustice podcast <laughs> Me neither. this is the first i'm hearing of it <laughs> um neither. other than ours which is not really an injustice podcast it it's a podcast that talks about injustice stuff a decent amount um and then he says, the one thing universal to all languages, though, the thumbnails are cool and goofy. I really enjoy making them. Uh, and I checked out the channel. Mark's thumbnails are actually very good. They're a lot better than ours. They're they're pretty fun and engaging. Well, ours are aggressively plain. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's our aesthetic. And so then I, I will read maybe some of this next bit, which is, as I understand it, the same developers are working on Mortal Kombat Mobile and the original Injustice, so they probably have people that would be able to update the game, but they're not encouraged to do so. If money they make from selling paid packs is enough to pay for their servers or whatever is there to maintain, they don't have to shut the game down. I haven't played Mortal Kombat Mobile, but uh, people I talked to said that it's very similar to Injustice Gods Among Us. They keep adding updates and they keep the game more relevant. When I asked people why they think Injustice is losing its player base, the answer was no updates, no new characters, which is fair in some sense. People saw many updates and new characters slash gears when the game was at its peak, so they expect more. And then um, I'll skip a little bit. Uh, Talking about hackers, Mark says, they skipped the entire part that would have made them appreciate the characters and gears, and I see this as a big reason why the game is dying. Okay, I want to add, I agree with that. I want to add something that seems significant to me. is not just that they would appreciate it more. They would have a better sense of how things work so they could make decisions about what to use. So what what's... It doesn't really drive me crazy. What's the word? I find it sort of funny and annoying that the, uh, so many of the questions are from people who've hacked the game and say, well, I've got all this stuff. What should I do? What, sh- what should I put together? How do I make a team? Seriously, that's probably the best indicator that they haven't played the game, whether they hacked it themselves or they've gotten somebody else's account that because they have just no insight in how the characters work because they never played them to get them to where they are. Yeah, I, I think sometimes you can end up with like a smattering of gold characters right? and not be exactly sure. But I think a lot of times, especially because you have to play them so much to get the XP, yeah. that the real knowledge gap comes if you haven't brought them into online multiplayer yet. Right. And so you, you've you just been caring about the stats and then suddenly you have to care about sort of matchups and synergies and other factors separate right. from just how big they are. Right. And so I think there's a time where you have that sort of gap. But I think... Uh, so it's it's not that there's no questions like that that I think are reasonable, but there's a certain type of question where it's like, I have everything, you know, I don't know anything that's good. I know, yes, uh, exactly. Which just clearly, uh, there it's like the sliding scale of like, I, I have figured it all out myself to I need everything figured out yeah. for me. 
And yeah. at the point where you have everything in the game, there's no way that you haven't right. gotten more figured out. And and that brings you me to the that brings us to the next kind of annoying argument is always that listen, I don't need to know for sure that somebody's hacked the game. Yeah. I mean, chances are we're not going to be able to figure it out. But when you've got that that sort of contrast yeah. in the same person, I can be pretty confident. You're just like vibe checking them. You're just, you're like on principle, I'm going to say that you're a hacker because I'm saying you didn't earn any of what you had and yeah. whether that's hacking or you just took somebody else's account. I don't know that there's any difference. Yeah. And so I, I think the other thing that's a little bit interesting in Mark's comment here is the idea of like it being the same team. Cause I think internal, like within studios right this is mm -hmm. done by nether realm yeah uh, and published by warner brothers there is certainly some amount of manpower that they dedicated to the uh you know injustice in its heyday and whatever games they're updating now but it's really hard to say you know i think it's also probably relatively likely that they have like a mobile development team mm -hmm. right just because it seems like it's broadly speaking a different thing you know you're developing it in different languages mm -hmm. you're uh, it's for like iOS and Android, so it's not like the same process. But within that, it's so hard to say what a team even means, right? Like, yeah, for the work that it is, unfortunately, this doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's going to be somebody's like passion project, you know, right. uh, just because it's like a spinoff. And I think f the like initial game itself is a lot funded probably out of like a marketing budget for these games, right? As a companion mm -hmm. piece to help draw attention. To that. I think that's what it was. That's how it was It was pushed that way. Yeah. At least in Justice Gods Among Us was. Yeah. Right. So they do encourage people to, hey, download this because you can get more features on the console. Yeah. And then maybe I think uh, potentially there's been a shift towards understanding the value in mobile games and that free to play space and sort of like selling packs and all those in-app purchases and everything. Uh, but, you know... It, it's really hard to know if there's like a consistent number of people working on this, if it's a thing that they contract out, right? Whether it's related to the actual console uh, game and the developers and the team right. on that, right? Especially because it seems like there's some amount of like asset sharing and uh, sort of cross-pollination between the two. But even on top of that, they're, they're both different licenses. So you'd have to, even if somebody's got the technical skill to handle the game, you'd have to find somebody if you're going to pull somebody from the mortal Kombat team they have to be interested in the dc universe enough or to be able to come just willing to do the work and i, well, I think well they... artistically right mm -hmm. like do they know the characters do they know anybody that they could put pull in from one of the stories they, they have to have at least a little bit of facility with uh the other universe and I'd, i'm not even sure that that's true because the other thing that i was going to say is that like the way that we're talking about it is almost assuming an amount of free reign that the developers or the team have uh, to work on the project, one project or the other, where I think a lot of this is probably largely based off of some amount of higher up in a team like NetherRealm and in a, uh, for like a publisher like Warner Brothers, right? It seems relatively unlikely that people have sort of degree of self-determinism to choose what project they want to work on and what they want to do. So I mm -hmm. think the whether or not like how large the team is, is a real question for me. Cause if you're just talking about like models and all that stuff, there's a chance that you pull somebody from another project very briefly and give them a very sort of specific goal. And there's a chance that you just get like contractor work to do that stuff. Right. So I think the sort of 
the way that, and this is the way that I often think about it too, but the idea that there is sort of like an internal team working on just this one thing, I think is pretty, maybe misses the reality of how these teams work. And unfortunately, I think for a game like this, uh, I, I know we were hopeful for a long time, but with hindsight, I think like the second that a game like this stops getting like updates for any significant length of time, it's very likely that whoever is a higher up, right? Like NetherRealm or Warner Brothers, whoever sure. can pull the plug mm-hmm. has essentially put it into holding pattern and like shuttered the actual, like most of the workforce oh, on I, it. I think that's true too. I, ju- I just think there's just so many factors that are working against the, f- the, the idea that there's going to be any more updates. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like if you, if you don't have the resources if the the sort of mission mm-hmm. of the team is does not involve updating justice yeah that's one thing but even if they did i think the fact is that you know is it's the same way that they had um wwe immortals had the same the same i guess uh Netherrealm Studios working yeah. on it. They had the same gameplay. They had the same idea. A lot of it was very similar, right? With yeah. the the gears and the teams and the kind of. But you know, if you don't know WWE, I don't know that you can just jump from one area to another to make a new skin. Because what are the updates that really matter? I don't know that anybody really cares about some um, gameplay that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Right. They can't, they're not imagining that the next, um, breakthrough or the next multiplayer or the next whatever. Yeah. You're just putting in new characters, right. just filling out content characters, gears. But I feel like that the, the cheapest, not the cheapest, but the easiest way to have new content is just new characters. Yeah. A lot of the mechanics are already there. You just need to do some graphics, make a few creative choices about the specials. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part is where I think you still need on top of, some sort of corporate will. Yeah. You need uh, somebody with some expertise. Otherwise, I mean, are they just going to make like five more Batman skins and five more Superman skins? Yeah, that's true. No, that's a good point. There needs to be at least some amount of knowledge of the game. I just think uh, we, we've seen a lot with like TV and movies, right? Very recently, how executives have the power to do a huge amount of reshaping of the internal structure of studios about how a lot of stuff works how things get released and i think by and large it's a similar-ish process in gaming where as much as we would hope that you know if enough packs get bought that somebody over at the studio goes oh look guys there's enough money here we can start putting sort of time back into it i think it's very likely that the call comes from somebody from a suit who uh is not really in a position to notice or care about anything other than like a massive uptick in like right value right yeah yeah it's that i've there's a writer that i follow online mark evanier yeah and he he talks i think it was him that talked a little bit about that how because he's been involved in writing comics uh tv shows maybe movies too and how the creatives have an idea yeah and then the studio heads who aren't really the creatives they're just you know management and money bags yeah but they feel like they have to impose something on them to show that they that their touch actually means something more than just to prove their value right it's like it's proof of work it's like i'm doing something so they'll they'll uh, have notes and they'll give notes to the creatives to make changes that sometimes a lot of times make no sense don't serve the story don't serve whatever it is but they do it because they can Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess that's the same point 
that yeah. you were making about how people just like there's just well there's some... an additional anecdote there yeah yeah anyways uh do we want to do one more question or do we think that that's a uh, maybe one more quick off? one i think maybe okay. one more quick one so this one comes from ricardo.canoe928 and it's c-a-n-o-o not o-e like the watercraft oh right 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 um before i before i get the question this is funny i i've heard i read this somewhere and i would need to re-verify the statistic but apparently drunk canoeing is the most unsafe activity by distance traveled compared to everything else so there's like drunk okay. driving drunk walking drunk yeah. whatever and it's just because it's a lot easier to die by drowning right. than it is to die by like walking and like stumbling into the road or something right. else and you go slow and you go slow, yeah. Right, right. So for every kilometer that right. you travel, or I guess mile if you're in the U.S., right. you're traveling not that much faster than like a jog, right? Maybe a decent amount, but whatever. And it's there's a lot more danger. And that's not to say that you should, you know, drunk drive instead of drunk canoe or drunk drive instead of drunk walk. Because obviously the, the factor that also right. matters and matters a lot is how dangerous you are to other people, right? right, right. Drunk walking is a little more dangerous than drunk driving. But it's only dangerous to yourself. You're right. you're very unlikely to, you know, stumble and kill somebody else. Right. And the the real safe activity is actually like drunk like riding in a taxi. Uh because right. that's exactly right. as safe as sober riding in a taxi or riding so, in a car. So the first time I saw anything relevant to that was in Freakonomics where they first talked about how drunk walking is more dangerous per kilometer. Yeah. But I think that's also a function of statistics and how you look at stuff because in terms of danger per kilometer, sure, because you just travel faster in a car. Yeah. And so you make up more kilometers quickly yeah. to balance out against the people who are getting into accidents, even if they're hurting other people. Yeah. On that half an hour drive, right. uh, you have like half an hour to make a mistake versus that like the right. same amount of time walking is probably like at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours walking. Right. So you've touched on the fact that it's more dangerous to other people. I think because you're at higher speeds and there's just more mass involved, it's also more fatal to you. Yeah. And if we were to treat it as... Uh, danger during time spent in the activity. Yeah, I think you would lose some of that. Um, the, drunk walking would lose some of that uh, relative danger mm -hmm. because you might spend a lot of time, but you're not going very far, and it yeah. stretches out sort of the the denominator yeah. that you're using. And I think the other thing is that a lot of times when people are walking, they're relatively close to their destination. Right. Uh, so I think if you're like going from like a bar or a party. Uh, home you know I think a lot of people if you're like really really drunk and out of it you're more likely to make that decision if you're like super close to walk right uh, whereas if you're that drunk and out of it you might you know not make the decision to drive so I think drunk walking maybe selects for people who are potentially drunker even true because you're like I'm uh, you know you have to be like really close you're well, like it's five minutes what, what are you going to do how else are you going to get there's home? there's no mothers against drunk walking yeah so there's no kind stigma of peer either. pressure. Yeah, there's that's no stigma true. associated with it. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, Ricardo Canoe says, how do I get better gear or nth to upgrade my metal character? It takes so long, bro. Right. I mean, the, the first question is easier. How do you get better gear? Uh, there's two parts. Get, get Buy gear lockers. Yeah. It, it, even if you don't want any of the gears, even yeah. if you only want the legendary gears, even if you only want the ones that you can get from mm -hmm. Survivor, um, when you get gears from the gear locker, they are, they will give you shards so you can fuse the gears that you want. Yeah. And if you get the, so there's a balance, right? Cause you get more shards from the higher level gears. Yeah. 
but you get more shards from when, upgraded gears. From upgraded gears. Yeah. So based on the math, it does not take you very long to extract the benefit if you were to fuse all the little tiny gears that you don't want. Yeah. Because of two things. One, it's easy to fuse. You max them out. You that investment pays off after I think six shatters. Like if you shattered it like six or seven times yeah. or something, you will end up with more. You will end up ahead in shards if you've max promoted it or max fused it first. Yeah. And the second thing is those lower level gears, you are just more likely to get them in a pack. Mm -hmm. So then not only will they pay off better, those are the gears that you get most often anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's the only real thing. Because the implied sort of question here is with the it takes so long is how do I do it faster? Right. And that would be the way of getting sort of resources to upgrade your gear faster. Right. Uh, that might not be intuitive, right? That you right. might not guess. Right. And unfortunately, I don't think there's much else in terms of like a trick, right? You yeah. you see it and you go, oh my God, this is going to take so long. And, and it does. It does. The, there's no real sort of shortcut. I think there the used only, to be. Yeah, there, there, there did. But the only real sort of getting it fast is finding a way of getting credits faster, in my opinion. Right. Because I don't think Survivor is a particularly yeah. efficient way of I don't think online multi efficient way of farming. Because you've got really... more control over it. Like, yeah. You can farm credits as much as you want. You can't farm multiplayer the same way. No. Without spending a lot of recharges. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it's a resource. Power credits are a resource that are well within everybody's grasp. And it's mm -hmm. just a matter of how much time you're willing to put into it. Yeah. So, it really, the, the answer is grind power credits as fast as you can and then shatter and fuse your low tier gear right, right. yeah uh anth metal is more difficult maybe that will save for another time okay it does take good. a long time yeah so it's that funny that comment it takes so long bro and unfortunately it, yeah that i think that's the point of the game you're searching for a, a speed up strat that maybe isn't there yeah yeah so to finish up, we'd like to thank some people. I'd like to give a shout out to Eliza Vestigial Caton. This section has been here for a while and I, I don't want to get rid of it, but the purpose that it sort of originally served is not being fully met. I, with how busy I was over the summer, I didn't really have much chance to socialize with people. Right. So I haven't talked to Eliza in a while, so I don't have anything to pull from for a little joke here. Right. Uh, and the idea of the sort of patronage also doesn't make that much sense because obviously she hasn't been giving me anything <laughs> either. Uh, so there's sort of neither halves wow. of this. Uh, That's very transactional. But it, well, it was it, for the joke, right? It could be very yeah. rarely. It didn't have to be like an ongoing thing. Right. Uh, but just no part, no part of what makes this work has happened recently. So I'm right. calling it vestigial this week, uh, because like I'm, an appendix. Yeah, because I'm I'm stretching, I'm grasping at straws to find something, and right. and right now it feels accurate. But maybe the purpose of this is to remind me to uh, actually hang out with Elisa at some point soonish so that i can not just for bits again when i say it like that it sounds like i'm just farming it for content for this but it's really it's not content for anybody it's not like we're making good money off this like right. section of the video right uh right. but it'll be be my reminder uh and we'd also like to give a huge thank you to all of our lovely supporters on patreon and that would be alexis m supporting us on the your message here tier Michael DeVries, Irvin Ruiz, Hoshi127, who are supporting us on the credited level, and the number of people whose names you're seeing on the screen who have been generous enough to have supported us at some point through our Patreon during this pandemic. Yeah, thank you so much for your support, and thanks so much to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda! Komoda.